Hello and welcome to SOS. This week we'll be talking about the Leopard Society both in West Africa and in Central Africa. We will look at how they rose from the 1700s until now and how their cannibalistic actions have affected their legacy and the African continent to this day. Please subscribe so you can get new episodes as soon as they are out. If you like this show, please give us a 5-star review on iTunes. First, let's start with our strife segment. Today we talk about Myanmar, a country that most Westerners refer to as Burma, even though it doesn't like to be called that way. Let's talk about Myanmar and the recent coup. This coup came after the military made allegations concerning the fairness of elections where Myanmar leader Aung San Suu Kyi emerged the victor. This came as a surprise to many who thought that the military was so powerful that they didn't need a coup. All I can say is, well, at least it's now all out in the open because it was quite obvious that the military held all the power. We can see this because after it committed genocide against the Rohingya Muslims, their leader failed to condemn their actions. A leader, I should add, who just happens to be a Nobel Peace Prize winner. For the people of Myanmar, I guess the future is now in your hands. So let's talk about the Leopard Society. Before we begin, I should give a disclaimer. This episode contains sensitive subject matter including cannibalism, slavery, and colonialism. Listener discretion is advised. This episode will not be for everyone's ears. So if you think you shouldn't listen, please don't. As for the rest of you strifers, let's get this show on the road. The Leopard Society, known as Ekpe or Mugbe, in various parts of West Africa and also known as Anyoto or Anyota in Central Africa, was an all-male secret society. Originally, the Leopard Society was created to fight the rapidly rising threat of both colonialism and slavery. This was before they started practicing cannibalism. Before we get started on the cannibalism bit, let's look at the time period and the events that led to the creation of the Leopard Society. One word can describe West Africa in the 1700s, hellish. In the 1700s, the Atlantic slave trade was firmly entrenched. Millions of Africans were dead and colonialism was just starting to take hold as European invaders started to move in and build towns and farms, most of which were run by unpaid black workers. We'll be covering the Atlantic slave trade later on as a series on this show. In the 1700s, the scramble for Africa was officially beginning, with the Europeans having been able to trace the Niger River as far as Timbuktu, northern Mali, although some people refer to it as Timbuktu, but we'll just call it Timbuktu. French armies followed not long after, laying siege to the entire region. The results of these actions by Europeans were cultural disintegration that spread from West Africa to parts and of East and Central Africa. In places like the Congo, people were being forced to convert to European religions under threat of death. Those who didn't were burnt at the stake. All these events created a perfect storm for the creation of the Leopard Society. It was created by West Africans who had seen an estimated 5.2 million of their brethren taken as slaves and more than a million others killed in connection to the slave trade. Meanwhile, Thousands of other Africans had been killed in religious wars or by diseases brought into Africa by the European oppressors. But as oppression begets strife, 
the leopard society swore to combat the europeans by any means necessary and by any means necessary they did so let's talk about the leopard society in west africa the leopard society in west africa was centered in sierra leone liberia ivory coast and nigeria these were the countries most affected by colonialism and it therefore follows logic that the leopard society started here the first trace of human leopards as Europeans called them, appear in Bishop Ingham's Sierra Leone after a hundred years, published in 1894. He writes, quote, The Temnes, which are one of the largest ethnic groups in Sierra Leone at 31.6 of the total population, were one of the ethnic groups that were victims of cult slave culture and slave trading across the Sub-Saharan and the Atlantic into European colonies. So these Temnes believe that by witchcraft, a man may turn himself into an animal and in that form injure an enemy. A man was burnt at Port Loco in 1864 for having turned himself into a leopard. Although I should add that this account is largely unverifiable. The first definite and verifiable reference to human leopards can be found in Banbury's White Man's Grave, published in 1888. In it, he says, and in the Mendi mission, the Mendi are an ethnic group in Sierra Leone, for those who do not know. So in the Mendi mission, they possess the skin of a large leopard with iron claws, which had once been the property of a man who, under this guise, satisfied his horrible craving. This is an obvious referral to the actions of the leopard society. Before its ties to cannibalism, the Leopard Society operated largely as a counter to colonial activities in the West African region. What they would do was hide in the forests. Then, at night, they would attack colonial settlements, destroying everything in their path and killing any colonial they met. They also killed any collaborators that they came across. This became such a problem for the Europeans that they gave colonial officers exclusive orders to hunt down and kill any members of the leopard society that they came across. These efforts were not successful because no one knew who members of the leopard society were. Anyone, who, anyone could have been a member of the leopard society, from the local priest to the chief of an entire village. The second problem was that the natives knew the lay of the land better than the European oppressors. This meant that during raids, members of the Leopard Society knew how to get away from the European pursuers, and when the Europeans decided to use the natives in their efforts, most of these natives refused, despite knowing the kind of punishments the Europeans were likely to hunt down. This is because the natives would have known that helping the Europeans would have, been, would have meant being seen as a collaborator by the Leopard Society, and likely resulted in the death of themselves and their entire families. This problem came to a head in the 1790s when the killing of Europeans had become too much of a problem for the entire regional government to ignore and hope it would go away. So they enacted offensive measures which included night patrols and raids on entire villages in search of evidence that would prove the connection between the villagers and the leopard society. The night patrols were ineffective because members of the Leopard Society knew how to get around them, but it was altogether a different case when it came to the village raids. These raids fostered a climate of fear and tension between neighbors. 
revealing deep divisions and animosities that some felt they were suffering because of the actions of a few of their neighbors. And that's when accusations and lynching began. Villagers began accusing each other and seemingly without evidence began murdering each other. The accusations ranged from being accused of being a pedophile and a witch and worst of all, a member of the Leopard Society. Most villagers didn't even bother with evidence. As soon as the accusation was made, the victim or suspect would be dragged out of their house in the middle of the night and swiftly put to death. In hindsight, we can agree that these extreme measures were taken to prevent the Europeans from coming to their villages and turning their entire lives upside down. Most historians don't know when the Leopard Society decided that the people they were protecting had become their enemies. Although that thing, we think that this was the point, the point at which when they saw their villagemen killing their other villagemen, I guess they decided that those villages were too evil to protect, although the villagers were also trying to protect themselves, though in an extreme way. So this was a time when the Leopard Society felt persecuted by their countrymen. The same countrymen that the Leopard Society in its actions was trying to protect. Because of this, the next decade would be one where families were torn apart, a time when villagers went missing never to be found and entire villages were destroyed overnight. It all began in a village in Termini County when a villager in Termini County was found dead in his house. He had been torn to shreds and, and parts of his body were missing. Around the body was evidence of an animal attack in the form of paw prints and claw marks throughout the house. This would have, would have gone under the radar as just another animal attack, apart from the human palm prints covered in blood that were also scattered throughout the house and the suspiciously small size of the bite marks on the body of the victim. This crime, especially the mix of both human and leopard evidence, sent the local villagers into a tizzy. The following decade was peppered with murders of local villagers all with evidence similar to what we described earlier. The local leaders responded immediately to the threat posed by the Leopard Society by organizing the villagers into groups that would investigate the crimes and of course deal justice to the offenders. All this was a recipe for disaster as members of the Leopard Society were not known, which means that the justice that would be carried out based on accusations alone so basically they'd be doing what they were doing before that. What resulted was a disturbing amount of crimes committed on both sides, with the villagers seeing the leopard society as evil and ungodly, although the villagers themselves were as guilty as the leopard society. We cannot state that enough, and it doesn't make much of a difference that what they did was out of fear rather than hate. In 1891, a report from Mendy country that several cannibals had been burned to death came as a shock to the Europeans, most of whom didn't even know that the Leopard Society had taken to cannibalism. They only associated the Leopard Society with acts of dissidence and terrorism. That report detailed an extremely large scale of cannibalism that surprised most Africans, not just the Europeans. 
the inhabitants of villages all across Sierra Leone and Liberia had suffered so greatly that at the hands of the cannibals that the local chiefs throughout the entire region called a meeting in a town called Bogo. In this meeting, cannibalism was discussed and pre those present were informed that the Tongo players, who are a group of professional witch finders native to Sierra Leone, I think Africa is the only continent where you can find people calling themselves quote-unquote professional witch finders. The Tongo players had been summoned for the purpose of discovering the cannibals. They would do so by tracking down anyone who performed a ritual known as Bofima. This is a very disturbing ritual which involves brewing an elixir from the intestines of a human sacrifice. Members of the Leopard Society believed that the elixir would grant them the ability to transform into leopards. What followed was an indiscriminate killing of natives by the Tongo players. This included a principal chief who had been instrumental in calling in the Tongo players. So many people were killed that the colonial government passed legislation banning all Tongo activities. The activities of the Leopard Society continued despite all the killings, which makes me wonder if the victims of the Tongo players and other villagers had been members of the Leopard Society. The Leopard Society and its activities can be traced to the 1900s and in particular to the 1930s. What I'm talking about is the famous story of the murdered 15-year-old girl in a village in Liberia who was found mutilated, her neck torn to shreds and her intestines torn out as described by a Dr. Viana Young who was called to, dis to, to detail the crime scene. The German doctor said that although the crime looked to have been committed by an animal, it was way too meticulous, just like other leopard society crimes we talked about earlier. Although active even today, the leopard society began appearing less and less in the mid to late 20th century. This has been attributed to the decolonization of West Africa and the development of forensic science as a field on the tail end of the 20th century. Arguably, the Leopard Society tarnished the history of West Africa because Europeans decided to use the existence of the Leopard Society to create a caricature of the average man, Afri of the average African man as a cannibalistic savage. Most of the articles I came across while researching this episode referred to Africans as savages. Some went on to describe Africans using more offensive language as if being called savage wasn't offensive enough. Although active in Central Africa, the effects of the Leopard Society weren't as widespread as those in West Africa. This is because of the population size. Central Africa had at the time a much smaller population compared to West Africa and as such, the Leopard Society of Central Africa was much smaller than its West African counterpart. Called Anyoto in parts of Eastern Congo, the Leopard Society committed crimes similar to those in West Africa. We believe one might have inspired the other, particularly West Africa, inspiring Central Africa because the West African Society came before the Central African Society. The Anyoto Society, as we shall now refer to the Leopard Society of Central Africa consisted of different chapters 
which were controlled by village chiefs. These chapters were active in the 1920s and 30s, and at times seemed to rival each other. The Belgians, who were in control of Congo at the time, listed them as quote-unquote sects and subversive organizations. As in West Africa, the Anyoto society was used by the Belgians to portray Africans in a stereotypical way, showing them to be naturally and culturally inclined towards violence to justify their brutal treatment at the hands of their oppressors. It is only in 2003 that the Belgian museum placed a note next to a painting portraying a leopard society member creeping on a, on a, on a sleeping African. The note explains that the reason such societies formed was in response to colonial oppression that took place in Africa. At this point, I feel I should mention that most Africans don't like it when the leopard society is mentioned or even talked about as some feel that it contributes to a stereotypical representations, representation of Africans. I, however, feel that it is important to talk about the activities of both the leopard society and of the people who led to its creation. The leopard society may have started as a freedom movement, but somewhere along the way, its actions devolved into more disturbing activities. And unfortunately for its members, this is the legacy that is left behind. This episode was compiled from different sources. Among those, I'd like to thank journals.co.za, archive.org, face2faceafrica.com, and britannica.com. We also got some additional information from sierraleoneheritage.org. Please leave us a 5-star review on iTunes and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Society of Strife and on Facebook at Society of Strife Podcast. This is important because we post visual aids relating to our latest episode. Until next week, my name is Bob. Stay safe and have a great week.